This is the Patch Kincaid series, Book One, The Kennedy Paradox. The Kennedy Paradox, Chapter Three, Golden Gate Park, San Francisco, California, July 18, 1986, 3:06 p.m. Like a fleeting dream before dawn, the park's late afternoon shadows swept the grass, surrounded by an amber glow. Patch walked upright in his uncomfortable white tuxedo as if he were in a marching drill. The musical trio tuned up behind the small table's white linen tablecloth, and tuxedo waiters hovered over the steamy metal-covered food containers. Crystalline champagne glasses glistened, and the chilled Don Perignon bottle laden with water droplets lay nestled in an open white linen wrap. Patch smiled as the extended cream-colored limo rounded the corner and slowed at the curb. Right on time. He thought for a moment about Mankiewicz's dire warning as the driver opened the rear door and helped Kate outside. Her pinned-up hair, dark strands tapering down her bare neck to her flowing yellow dress, intrigued him. The deepening sunlight only enhanced her beauty. The driver escorted her to the table and Patch gently kissed her forehead. She smiled slowly, her white teeth between her smooth lips and her green eyes twinkled. He felt her touch as he slipped his fingers around her smaller hand. You're perfect. This time she smiled without exposing her teeth and her eyes moistened. You've outdone yourself, Captain. Patch motioned for Angelo, a man with a thin mustache and a maroon vest, who pulled back Kate's chair. Once seated, Angelo popped the champagne and poured a cascade of pink bubbles into the glasses. Patch lifted his glass skyward. To my lady, a woman who possesses both beauty and intelligence. They clinked the glasses, and the champagne tickled his lips. Patch lowered the glass and removed a green velvet box from his tuxedo pocket. He clicked it open, and a clear-cut diamond reflected the sunlight into crisp, linear colors. They had talked about marriage many times, and she beamed as he gradually placed the ring onto her finger. Will you marry me? She smiled broadly and nodded her head. I'll marry you, Patch. That garden chapel at Chartres is reserved, Kate. Just like we talked about, going to Europe, you have a penchant for planning. She sipped the champagne again. Complaints? None. The music sauntered softly through the warm air. He held her hand, gazing into her eyes and Mankiewicz's bizarre reports of nuclear devices finally evaporated into the afternoon sky. He kept thinking about what President Kennedy had said the other day about working toward peace. As Angelo and his people served dinner, Patch talked about the wedding and how a few close friends would fly to France. He assured her their busy lives would merge into a gentler pace. She spoke about having children and living in Connecticut. The future beckoned and Patch, gazing out over the bay waters past Alcatraz to the bridge, savored the thought. There are several houses I want you to see, Patch, along the New York border. We'll still be close to the city, but in the country. I've applied to several schools in the city to teach poli-sci. Well, my discharge will be completed on August 15th, so we'll have more time. He held the bubbly champagne in his hand but the bubbles again reminded him of the nuclear blasts moving upward. Are you all right, Patch? Patch shook his head. Sure. Like I was saying, my office is right in Midtown, so we might even have lunch on a regular basis. 
I'll believe that when I see it. You'll be flying, she said, leaning toward him. At least you won't be working in some classified project with a bloated budget. Very funny, he said, playing with her fingers. Money well spent. I remember when I first saw you three years ago in that lobbying conference in D.C. Her teeth glistened. Lobbying? Just a plea for funding with congressional contacts, Patch, who just happened to control the purse strings. I believe my talk was entitled The Need for Greater Funding for Scientific Research. And I do believe I made an impression on you, Ms. Landers. No, I saw you before that. You did? You hadn't put on your tie. You were trying to tie it by the windows. You messed it up three times and were getting frustrated. Patch laughed as he set down the glass. You never told me you saw that. I was sitting in the lobby with Congressman Fulby talking about the bill coming up. I don't even remember what it was. I, I knew you were speaking because of your picture in the lobby. Something about you, Patch, cursing that tie. I thought it was my speech. And I hate ties. It's just the way you pretended to be drinking later at the dinner. Taking those sips and just acting cool. The waiter poured more champagne as the flutist began a solo. If you drink every time they offer you a drink at those things, well, you made an impression on Kate, the congressman's intern. You were 19 years old, and I was 27. She lifted the glass to her lips and raised it to his glass. I asked you then just what you did. You went on for 10 minutes about flying the F-16s upside down over Chicago. I said to Lana later, who the hell would do that? Your sister probably thought I was nuts, and she's right. That aircraft was kind of aerodynamically unstable. The flight control system, at least I got you to admit you worked in the special services unit for the Air Force. I was enthralled with you, he said, kissing her, and I came back to my people with a commitment for more money. Secret projects. A honeymoon in France, it's like a dream. I've never been to Europe. She leaned back, Burgundy, Alsace, over to Germany. All you have to do is get on that plane. The rest is planned, Dr. Landers. He held up her hand and kissed it. His lips still at her hand. He looked out the corner of his eye at the cellular boxes that sounded. He lowered her hand and dragged out the box. Oh, no. Oh, yes. He set the box on the table and lifted the phone to his ear. Mankiewicz sounded agitated. Patch, get to a payphone right now. Ray, take your payphone and stick it up to Sector 13. Kate chuckled and put her hand over her mouth. Patch, this is the real thing. Get to a phone. What? He glanced at a perplexed Kate, but the transmission had ended. I love you, she said, but her smile fell quickly. What's the matter? I love you too, but I have to get to a phone. You already have a phone contraption. No, I need to get to a land phone for security purposes. Well, all this security will end once you go to work at Norcross. Patch stood and pensively stared into the bay. She raised her brow. Strings, a flute, champagne, and Uncle Ray. Patch feared this nuclear thing had gotten out of hand. Leaving the musician and Angelo's caterers back at the table, Kate took his elbow. The music faded as they walked briskly through the shadows to the limo. He asked the driver to find the nearest phone booth and gawked aimlessly out the window as Kate talked about his last trip back to New York. And you'll be a civilian next month. I hope so. What do you mean you hope so? Nothing. 
Patch imagined New York sucked up in the nuclear furnace. He had the limo driver stop curbside at the phone in front of a busy deli. He pushed open the door and rushed from the car. Like a running back in a postseason playoff game, Patch dodged several people exiting the deli. Then he reached a wall phone and punched in a number that connected with Mankiewicz directly. Food aromas drifted outside as he waited. Mankiewicz. Patch stared at the sun-drenched Coit Tower in the distance and then glanced at the limo. What happened? Get out of there, Patch. Get in your car. Get the hell out of there. Get back to Sector 13. What are you saying? San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York. All probable sites for the bombs to go off. We're very worried about this information we have about New York. This sounds too bizarre. He looked at Kate inside the limo doorway, the sun dancing over her long brown hair. She had no idea they were sitting in the middle of a possible death trap. Hatch. All right, coming back. I'll be there in six hours, Ray. Make it five. He hung up the phone but hesitated for the longest time. Kate climbed out of the limo. Looking for stray phone numbers, Captain? She grabbed his arm and her smile dropped again. What's the matter, Patch? Uh, you'd better come with me, Kate. We have to leave. She still had an innocent take on the situation. Leave? We haven't even had dessert yet. Kate started to laugh, but she must have sensed the tension embedded in his face. He guided her back to the limo and ordered the driver to hurry to the hotel. She said nothing as the limo bounced over the hills. When they reached the Spanish tiled hotel on the water, she closed the front privacy panel and leaned toward him. Where are we going, Patch? What the hell's going on here? Patch shook his head. The driver stopped under the long red canopy and quickly opened Patch's door. Still in his white tux, he escorted Kate in her yellow evening dress directly to his red suburban inside the adjacent parking garage. Patch, this is insane. Are we leaving because of that project you're working on? Mankiewicz just told me about some intelligence they have. They think New York may be blown up by a planted nuclear device. There's a possibility that this city and L.A. could be targeted. Her mouth opened wide. Our friends are in New York City. He started the Suburban and backed around the garage quickly. I know. I know. Where are we going? Out of here, that's for damn sure. To a safe place. At least for now. <laughs>